In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me Nat Three <laughs> people in the studio tonight. It's just me and Gary tonight. I have with me Gary the Stud. That's me, and I am your host Bob Chrisman. And I just want to point out that we are being socially ethical tonight. We are on opposite sides of the table, so we are actually following the guidelines for the coronavirus as it happens on this day, as we are recording on Friday the thirteenth. And, and I'm not letting Bob touch my face either. Yes, we're not going to touch each other's faces, and uh, more importantly, we're not going to kiss each other. So I think that's going to be really important as this goes on. Uh, and we'll make sure we hand sanitize, and I've you know hoarded enough hand sanitizer for the Galaxy Cast team to be safe throughout this entire coronavirus disaster that's going on. Uh, I, I will say this real quick. I think Gary agrees with me on this. I, I First off, I agree with the idea that we need to be careful. We don't want to spread this this disease that's going around. I think people do need to take it seriously. However, I do think there is a general overreaction by the public. Just a tad. Just a tad. Uh, it's not a zombie apocalypse. I don't understand why people are going out and buying TP like it's going out of style. I just don't get it. Uh, I actually understand the soap and the hand sanitizer concept, but I'm also like, somebody pointed out, today earlier on facebook you know if you're reasonable with your purchases then your neighbor will also be washing their hands and shouldn't we all be washing our hands so if you're kind of hoarding it all and keeping it all for yourself you're actually not doing yourself a favor because now your neighbor can't wash their hands and they're going to spread the disease so just you know be logical people well not only that but let the older people get some of the stuff, too. Right. Like, I mean, be a good neighbor. You know, let everybody have some of the products. You know, be reasonable. I get it. A lot of people are scared. But, I mean, at most, people are saying keep a two-week supply. 
You know, and two weeks supply is not like five gallons worth of soap and hand sanitizer. Sorry, uh, five gallons, you could go probably a couple months with that. Or, or six 36 count toilet paper. Right, right. I mean, what are you using your toilet paper for? That's what makes me wonder. Well, they're doing paper mache. Apparently. Okay, so we have really kind of three things we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the latest and the final Black Widow trailer that just came out this week. Uh, we just kind of feel like that's something that we really should hit up on because, well, quite honestly, it's important. And then we're going to talk about the latest episode of The Clone Wars that came out several weeks ago for you guys. It's new to us. Then we'll go through our break and we'll come back and talk about our next episode of The Mandalorian. You know, as a Star Wars fan, man, it's like good to be alive right now. Uh, I guess that's what I'm looking forward to. If I do have some time off from work, which looks like I might if coronavirus keeps going the way it is, uh, I'll get a chance to catch up on a whole bunch of watching of TV, right? I mean, like, if I'm going to get stuck inside, I might as well have some fun watching some movies and some TV shows. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that, utilize that time to the best of my ability. If you get stuck inside, Gary, what are you going to do with your time? Sleep. That's what I figured. Okay, so let's get to our first topic. <laughs> So the latest Black Widow trailer has come out. There is no doubt in my mind that this is the last one because they call it the final trailer. So I think that's a gigantic clue to us and the rest of the world that we're not going to see any more after this. So what did you think of the trailer, Gary? What do you you think of all the stuff that we saw within that trailer? And if you haven't watched the trailer, please go to YouTube, search final Black Widow trailer, and then come back to us and listen to this. So what do you think? Well, it's shown that the fact that there are several Black Widows out there, not just Correct. Natasha. Which goes back to our theory that Black Widow is a a call sign, as it were. Yeah. Instead of it being just a single person. So Natasha dying in the Avengers, I think, is going to not seem so... It's not going to feel as final, I think, if we all understand that maybe it's possible that she's not the bla- last Black Widow, that there might be another oh, there's somewhere gonna, down the yeah, road. Yeah, there's, there's several. And we know that. That's I mean, as Marvel fans, we know that. I'm saying the average Joe Schmo off the street, I don't think knows that unless they've read comic books and understand that. And like I've always said, nobody, no death. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, no, I thought it was interesting, though, too, because there is something that, that they pointed out in the trailer that was kind of like, oh, my gosh, Gary might have been right all along. They they call they said Taskmaster is the call, call sign of the guy who runs the Red Room and I went oh, Gary's right because I feel like it was a Dave Filoni moment yet again <laughs> like like I was like oh yeah that's it Dave Filoni's alive and well in Gary's body again because you had called it that you think that Taskmaster is okay Hawkeye and I now that we've seen the final trailer we've looked at how he fights. And I don't know if you caught in the trailer twice when he had other options, he used a bow and arrow anyway. Yep. So I was kind of like, okay, now this screams the idea that Taskmaster may actually be Hawkeye. And I think in the one movie, if I remember correctly, it was Age of Ultron. They talked about that one time in Minsk, right? Or something like that. Uh, And she's like, let's forget Minsk. Yeah, Correct? I, don't, I don't think it's Minsk. I think it was like Bulgaria or something. Yeah, something like that. I'm pretty sure the one city they show the two of them clashing yeah. in is the city they're going to be referring to from that scene, which I think will be a great send-off for Natasha. Do you think that's it? Like, this is like the great send-off of the old Black Widow so that we can usher in the new one? I mean, do you think that's really what ultimately Disney's doing here? 
Nah, I don't think so. No? I just think it's uh, everybody screamed that you had a backstory for the Hulk, had a backstory for uh, Captain America, backstory for Iron Man. Thor. Thor. You just didn't have one for Black the woman. woman. Right. And she's being the, the main, between her and Hawkeye, her being the, the main person, they had to show her. And at the same time, they're kind of like throwing Hawkeye in there without realizing it's Hawkeye. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I, I, well, and I think it's gonna. I, I think if we're right, that's gonna come as a shock to the audience that Hawkeye is who he might be, which is the bad guy to Black Widow. I think everybody assumed Black Widow and Hawkeye were on the same side yep. the whole time. So I think if it is that way, it's oh. kind of a nice little. It was Budapest. Budapest. That's right. That's what you said. It was. It was Budapest. So it might work. I, I think if if they do it right, it could work out. And I really do think that it's possible that that Hawkeye is Taskmaster as as a as a call sign, which yeah. I think is cool. Uh, what do you think about introducing Red Guardian, her sisters, and all that? How do you think that's all going to play out in the end? Do you think this Red Guardian's a one off and he's going to be around for just this movie, or do you think it's the beginning of something else? It could be the beginning of something. Okay, the sisters definitely probably be the. Uh replacement for her i'm getting the impression that they might do that yeah but technically in the comics they're the the only way they were sisters is because they were from the bedroom right yeah and, and they were like not blood sisters but right. they were like sisters from the red room right. yeah I, I get what and, you're saying and this is showing that she is a, an actual sister, like a physical sister right. yeah like a blood relative and did, did she was playing her mom yeah it's her face from the the mummy um rachel weiss thank you rachel weiss which I've always liked Rachel Vice, so I'm kind of curious to see her in this role now, and seeing her as the mom, and, I mean, she could kick butt. I could see that. That would be really cool. Like, she kicked butt in The Mummy and all sorts of other movies, so that would be kind of cool to see her in this role. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Actually, this last trailer has me a little more excited about Black Widow than I was before. Before, I was kind of like, eh, I'm more interested in Eternals right now. Uh, this one actually has me going, you know what, I, this actually might be a fun movie to go see. Uh, what, what, what made you change your mind? A couple things about it. First off, it definitely looked like it looks to me like the the red room is going to be more of a focus than I thought it was going to be. Like I got the impression early on they were only going to use that as like a side discussion, at least in the first two trailers. This trailer more focused on the the red room is going to play a major role. I, I think it needs to play a major role in this. If it's Black Widow, you can't. You know what I mean? The two things have to go hand in hand. I think I like Taskmaster's role, at least from what I've seen so far. So for me, having him as a bad guy actually got me a little more excited this time around because i the first time i saw him first two times i was kind of like mm, he seemed weak like not scary taskmastery to like i know taskmaster now i'm kind of like mm, i'm okay with it I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit better with the way he, he looked in this one seeing him use the shield seeing him use the sword he definitely has got the super powered you know what i mean ability thing going on I was a little worried about the costume at first, but I'm actually getting better with it as, as it goes. I think there's an underlying uh, villain that we haven't seen yet, too. Yeah. Who do you think that might be? It's kind of far-fetched, but I'm thinking it's uh, Omega Red. Oh, he's going to be a bad guy? He always was. Was he? Yeah, Omega Red. Yeah, I guess he ran with that Russian group, didn't he? Oh, he's the, the anti-Wolverine in X-Men. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <clears throat> yeah, 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 I forgot about that. No, he's like that guy with uh right wolverine's abilities and stuff yeah yeah i and forgot fact, about that in fact i think he may even have been part of weapon x too 
There was a weapon program. I think he was part of the weapon program, yeah, where they were, you know, pumping stuff into guys to test that out and stuff like that, which they could use that. That would be kind of cool. And I think he's got vibranium arms instead of adamantium. Okay. That would be interesting. So. I also think it would be interesting to maybe have Zemo show up somewhere in the middle or towards the end of this as a, a sign. Yeah. Now, you said there was a theory out there on the internet that you read that, that you kind of were like, hmm, that could be interesting. Well, I heard it is... Uh, they're going to be starting to set up for the future movies. Mm-hmm. And with seeing Thunderbolt Ross in this, it could be either the Red Hulk coming or uh, the Thunderbolts. Right, which I got to admit, I you kind of blew my mind about the Thunderbolts. I didn't even... I mean, I knew they were a thing, but I guess I didn't pay attention to them as a thing. Or I didn't think Marvel, the MCU, would use them. Uh, and actually, now that we read through about it, I was like, wow, they've already kind of set it up. Because they, they mentioned the Fixer uh, as a member of it. They have Venom at one point as a member of it. What were some of the other characters we saw there? Uh, Goliath was a member at one point in time. Beetle was a member. Yep. Uh, um, Moonstone. Moonstone. Um, who's the characters we said, wow, we've already seen those in the MCU, so it would totally work. Uh, Claw. Claw, yeah, because he helped out the Siren Girl. Yeah, there, there's there's uh, potential there. Well, Baron Zemo. Zemo himself leading it, which we've seen Zemo now. Uh, Norman Asborn from the Spider-Man movie. Yep, which that would explain why Disney had to keep that Marvel thing going, right? Because they need Osborn in order to be able to set that up if they're if that's where they're going to actually go with this. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, uh, and and I also think the other possibility that they're potentially setting up with this is just how the Eternals and how the I personally think how maybe we're going to see mutants come into the MCU. I think this is going to start the beginning of that. I really do. As a side note, have you seen the article my son sent about them possibly having Henry Cavill come in as the Wolverine? It's supposedly that's a rumor according to comicbook.net. Do you you put any onus in that? Do you really think they're going to use Henry Cavill as Wolverine? They could, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think they would either. I'll tell you why. I, I don't think he actually fits the Wolverine body type we're talking about. And I'm not talking about his muscle mass. I'm talking about his height. And that sounds really stupid. <laughs> but Wolverine's supposed to be short. Well, Cavill's well, like six foot four. Well, you know, Hugh Jackman isn't really short either. Uh, he actually is in the lower he, side. I want to say he's like under six foot. I'm pretty sure no, he is. No, he's not. You better, really? you better look it up. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> but I, 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 to me, Wolverine's got to be a short guy. You know, like. So I, and that's why I I, I was kind of like he, Cavill doesn't make sense to me uh, just because he doesn't look the part either. Oh, I actually like the 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 image that they had of him. Oh, you're right. He's six foot two. Holy cow! <laughs> All right, I was proven wrong. Wow, they must have done some serious like camera angles for him to get him to look lo- shorter than six foot two. Oh, who was he shorter? Well, I mean, most of the uh, the X Men when he was with them, he was shorter than them. Scott Summers. Uh, Not really. Really? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Nope. <laughs> well, interesting. So, you, you, you just picture Wolverine being short, that's all. I guess they do. Well, because of the comic books, you know what I mean? When you yeah, look at him in the comic books, he's just short, like, you he's know. And, like 5'5". Five five. Right. <laughs> yeah, and he's built, like, stacked. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's the way I've always kind of seen him. But you're right, I guess, you know. I just, I can't see Cavill doing it. He was an awful Superman, and I can't, I just, my brain can't bring it to it. Everybody says he's an awful Superman. I liked him as Superman. Really? I, I wasn't a big fan. But the only, only part I didn't like about him was in the Justice League, where they had his Photoshop his mustache out. <laughs> yeah, 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 true. He, he kind of looks stupid then. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, I agree with that. But other than that, I, I like Cavill as, as Superman. 
I guess as an actor, I didn't mind him. It was just the, what they did well. He was Superman that I had a problem with. Like I said, we've talked about it. I don't like the fact that he doesn't care about the humans. He's letting them die and doesn't seem to care well, about it. Like I said... Uh, That's directing and writing more than anything right. else, though. You, 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 you can put the best actor in any movie that is written bad and it's still going to stink. Yep, yep, I get it. Okay, so let's move on to our second subject for tonight. We watched the second episode of Season 7 of Star Wars The Clone Wars titled A Distant Echo. And basically what we're happening is we are continuing on with the story from the previous episode of Bad Company and we're discovering that they're going to try to find Echo and get to his location and find this this message that's been sent through him. And, of course, Rex is convinced that Echo is still alive, and Bad Company is convinced that he probably isn't. And that's pretty much where we picked up uh, this whole episode. So, Anakin, Rex, the Bad Batch, they go to Shaco Minor to try to discover the source of this, this particular message. And, of course, on their way in, they run into a rough storm, and then they meet the natives, which was weird am i wrong gary like i that whole native thing was like a little odd yep but that i I liked it did you really okay that's probably one of the things i liked about this episode is they actually showed an alien race that was alien right and foreign to us as star wars people we'd never seen a race like this um i actually kind of liked the speech pattern they had going on because it was nothing like anything i've ever heard before and so, like, part of my brain was, like, I want to figure this out. You know, like, I really wanted to kind of, like, understand how they were saying what they were saying. And it was weird because they, they had this weird echoey thing going on. It was just, it was awkward. It was weird, but, like, cool at the same time. So I can't even begin to explain. Uh, you have to go watch the episode, I guess. Is, is well, what that's what I said. I, that's what I liked about, about this episode so far is that they looked alien and they sounded alien. Yep. All right. It's not roars or right. walking carpets and little teddy bears and stuff. It's... Yeah, it was actually an alien alien. Right. You know, uh, I defy anybody to cosplay that role because well, you couldn't. There's no way. I'll try. Uh, I'll try. <laughs> I, think so, I, I think I get the body tape. For yeah, I think I'm missing the body tape for it too. I'm not quite <laughs> sure though. Oh, get skinny. There we go. Yep. yep. Just keep pushing it. No, uh, no I'm still not going to work. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so, so uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. I'll admit that. You know, having them riding those reptilish, dragon-like creatures, I thought it was funny you mentioned Daenerys Targaryen because it was going through my head as you were saying that, like I'm waiting for a dragon to show up. You know, and it did have kind of a dragon look, almost like uh, what's the dragon movie the kids love? Uh, How to How Train Your Dragon, dragon yeah. yeah. It looked, they had those, right? It had the big head and it yeah. kind of had that look to it. So they, they, they get to the planet, they finally land, they talk about the natives, and of course the natives show up, they take Anakin away, and we come to find out that they took Anakin because they don't want the war coming to their planet. So they took the leader. So they took the leader. <laughs> Makes sense. Which I was kind of like, well, why didn't they get Watt Timber? I mean, if they don't want the, you know what I mean? Like, he's there, why are they not going after him? But whatever. He's heavily guarded. Apparently, yes, on way up in the sky, which we can talk about later. Well, maybe those dragons can't fly that high. Maybe, uh, you know. Well, apparently, it's not reading rainbow. You know, right. dragons can fly twice as high. So, uh, you know, they they take Anakin, and of course, bad company is all upset. They want Anakin back, and Rex seems to be kind of upset about that. So they they basically, well, he I thought it was interesting that it was the leader of bad company, right? It was Sarge, I think that the. 
uh, kind of tailed the dragon, well, as it were. Well, first of all... Tech um, actually lassoed him, if I remember correctly. No, it wasn't Tech. It was uh, uh, the marksman guy. Oh, uh, Crosshair. Yeah. Yeah. The Well, what, what I liked the best was the no firing upon him or nothing else. And, uh, right. They, they take Anakin. So what does Rex do? <laughs> Start shooting at him. Yeah. And then they bring up the crosshairs up, and he sh- shoots a harpoon or something at him. Yeah, it was pretty much a grappling hook, yeah. Which I didn't see where that caught. Did it catch it on the tail? Is that what it did? On the leg, I think. On the leg. You'd have thought the creature would have reacted, but it didn't seem to at all. Uh, maybe just wrapped around it or something, I don't know. Maybe. It, and, <laughs> it's Star Wars. There's no physics. Right, I should stop thinking. I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, Sarge goes chasing off. They He ends up finding Anakin, watching him land in the village. They trace it to him. I thought it was interesting. They moved the ship. And they land the ship just above the village. And it didn't seem like the villagers knew that. <laughs> How did they not know? Uh, so anyway. Uh, it was foggy that day. Apparently, yes. Yes. There was a fog rolling in and they couldn't tell. So, so they, they hook back up with Sarge and Rex joins in. They decide to free Anakin. They attack the villagers. They roll a, uh, a boulder blue, down yeah. into the village, which I just thought was kind of a cool uh, uh, way to kind of roll in, kind of like using a tank, right? Like, yep. And I thought that was actually kind of a cool homage to like a World War II style of, of, of infantry, you know? Right, but where I think they dropped the ball in this part in the scene is uh, they should have showed Anakin stopping it. Yeah, or instead lift, of having him roll away. Yeah, yeah. Or, or lift it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, have one of them like in danger of being run over by it, and Anakin stops it with a, with the force. Yeah, I agree with you because that would have created some angst in the in that. Otherwise, it just felt like a eh, you know kind of moment, and it it could have had some angst to it. It, it would have helped them all a lot better, in my opinion, as far as the alien clone right relationship. So, long story short, Tech is able to start talking to the alien race. I thought that was too easy, don't you? Like it seems. Uh, almost like a well, you always talk about the Doctor Who, you know, the sonic, sonic screwdriver moment. It's like Tech became the sonic screwdriver here. Yeah. And it just seemed too convenient. Well, they get the Universal Translator from Star Trek. Yeah, but I thought it was funny that the alien was kind of like, you know, like all up in in the screen of well, Tech. You know, well, that's the thing is, as you see, see him looking at you, you see all those words coming across the the, the screen. Yeah. You yeah, know, so. I just thought it was funny the way the alien was kind of like, yeah, got real close to him looking inside. <laughs> and and people are still thrown off by this idea, and I don't I don't know if it's thrown you off that Tex got glasses and that his helmet is like open faced, and everyone's like, why are they doing this? And I'm kind of like, I kind of like it. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, oh, okay, he's wearing glasses and then he has an open helmet, but when he needs to use whatever. A visor comes down over top of his right. eyes. Right, I'm I'm cool with it, but yeah. for some reason, it is throwing a bunch of people off, and I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm glad they've got a guy in Star Wars, finally, with glasses. Uh, you know, this sounds so stupid, but for all the things that people have in the world, right? And we complain about there's not enough women in movies, and there's not enough African-American movies, and we're not enough Latinos in movies. What about the average Joe, too? Like, People who have to wear glasses, people who are overweight. You know what I mean? Like, we could really start going down that nasty road of things that aren't being shown in theater, you know, and TV yeah. shows and stuff like that. <laughs> Don't get me started, Bob. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know. I get it. But <laughs> I, I could rant for an hour. On I'm sure you could. I know you can. We've, we've actually ranted, you and I, about this uh, for over an hour. But I, I just, I really, I was kind of glad to finally see a clone trooper with a glasses problem that needed glasses. And I was like, yes. 
And I can't believe there's all these people on the internet that are like, this is stupid, I hate this, this is so dumb. And I'm like, really, you need to get a grip. Because there's a lot of people in this world that wear glasses. And I think it's cool. I think it's, it's cool to see them represented. And there's a lot, a lot of heavyweight people, too. That, too. I agree with you. So, <laughs> moving on. They, they end up deciding, or they end up kind of convincing the alien culture that they, they want to get rid of Watt Tambor. Well, they want to help them out. And they want to get their guy back so that they'll, they're going to leave once they, they get their guy back. Well, that's the only help they're going to get is they're going to take him to Watt City. And, right. Um, that's, that's it. And they'll leave it there. So that's exactly what they do. They take them and show them where Watt City is, which apparently is way up in the sky uh, with these huge towers that go what appear to be in well, the middle of nowhere. Well, it wasn't that they were way up in the sky. It was just the... Well, they were the above the clouds, the, I guess. The towers right? went way up in the sky. Right, true. So they they get down to the ground. They fight their way in with these weird droids. Yeah, the the st- stick droids. Yeah, they look like. I mean, if you've ever seen stick uh, bugs, they kind of look like a stick bug droid like crossover. Uh, I don't know how you felt about the droids at, at first. I was kind of thrown off, but I, they kind of grew on me. I guess um, it was just weird. It was just the weird the way they were and the way they were built. <laughs> I liked them because when uh, Anakin attacked them and threw them out of the the building there, they yeah. like, why? Yeah, I remember, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny that, that they reacted that way. Uh, and it was funny because Anakin's like, we're going to be all stealth, and uh, they get out of the elevator, and of course it wasn't stealth at all. And Heavy, the big guy, definitely was not stealth in any way, shape, or form. Although I thought it was kind of funny that they had him afraid of heights of yeah. all of the characters there that, that could have been afraid of heights. He was the one that was. I'm not scared of anything, but I have a problem with gravity. Right? Yeah, gravity. And I, we, yeah. <laughs> I think I could agree with him on that one. I think that's how I define my fear of heights is gravity. Well, yes. uh, it's not that I'm, I'm scared of heights. It's the sudden stop. Yes. Well, like I've always said, it's not the fear of heights I have. It's the fear of falling. It's a sudden stop. Right? At the bottom. (laughs) So so they go up there, they fight these robot droids, and it seems to be pretty easy. Don't you think, like, the beginning, you're kind of like, this seems too easy. Like, they're getting around way too easy. They're able to get around this base, and it doesn't seem like there's any droids guarding anything anywhere. It's because it's a twap. You're right. It's a twap, as we find out. And meantime, we had Trench. I had contacted Watt Timber to tell him that, hey, there's clones coming. Um, be on the lookout. We think they've traced the the signal back to where you are. Well, of course, that would never happen because the Republicans never do that. Right. They would never bother to do that. And, and, and Trench tries to warn him these are not typical clones. They don't operate the normal way, which I'd love to know how he knew that. But because... Uh, is that from the last episode? Yes, because okay. when he his uh, group fought them, they were... Uh, not along with the uh, elder room. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> so uh, they end up going um, and finding the door. Finally, well, they they split up the right. door, going door to door. And, and Anakin gets in this uh, storage room with a two foot hallway. Yeah, I pointed other. that out. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a four to five foot lightsaber, and somehow he's able to whip that thing around in there. I'm like, wait a minute, how's he moving a four five foot lightsaber in a two foot space? You know, Eric always talks about that, right? Like the the choreography that's yeah, going the on, blocking and all the that. block. It was awful blocking through probably about half this episode. Yet, yet again, it's like a Clone Wars thing. They must be really bad at blocking. If they're going to do the Clone Wars, the blocking's got to be awful. All I could sit there and think was Eric would be saying that right now, yeah. <laughs> like he would be just railing on the blocking the whole time. 
Then they finally find the door that they're convinced Echo's in, and of course they get attacked by the droids. And then, what, Tambor shows up on the screen and is like, ha-ha, I found you, throws every droid at them. They seem to be able to kill every droid at will with zero, you know, like, nobody getting hurt, nobody even getting hit, which is, just seems absolutely well, incredible. It's because you got a Jedi that showed up. And yeah. Against their algorithm. They yeah. They didn't know how to deal with a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. And apparently Anakin now has the powers of a god, just like, you know, the old version of uh, Mace Windu back in the... The Tartakospia Clone yeah. War, right? So, so, you know, Anakin's wiping people out. The clones are fighting. They finally open the door. They get in. And Rex goes in with, I think it was... Uh, Tech. Tech. Or not, was it Tech? that? Went, yeah, it was Tech that went in with him. I thought it was the sharpshooter guy. Uh, so Tech goes in with him, and they find what appears to be... And I say that because we're not sure how much of him is left. It, what appears to be Echo. It's a, definitely a weird case they've got him in. It almost looks... Like either a clone tube, or it might be a version of some sort of stasis tube. Well, that's what they uh, call it with a stasis pod. But, right. But it looked to me like a an old back to tank and. Uh, I was kind of thinking that too. Yeah. Uh, across from back, back to tank and. Oh, the clone. Yeah, the clone tube. Clone tubing. Yeah, I was wondering if it was, he was a clone, possibly uh, a clone of Echo, which would be weird considering Echo is a clone. I I, I don't know how you would do that. I thought it was kind of cool though the way they had him colored and put together because he definitely looked like. He had the Darth Vader-esque, Anakin-esque implements in him, uh, almost like he was before he became Darth Vader. And I, I thought that was kind of cool that the, they kind of showed that. Well, I, I think he's uh, actually dead. The machine's keeping his brain functions going, which is why he can communicate and, and stuff. Yeah, so. I, and I think like when they found him and he's reacting like they were still at the Citadel, right. uh, I think that was kind of like unplugging him from the Matrix for the first time. Yep. <laughs> I agree with you, Gary. I think that's. I think that little computer that's on the side of his head is what's keeping him going right now. I think if they were unhooked that, he'd just die. He'd be well, done. he still has some wires or tubes hooked to him, and as soon as they d- detach them, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So we kind of end the episode there. That's that's we find Echo, and, and, and that's did, it. Did you notice he's got uh, metal legs and stuff too? Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, he's got like a metal right leg and metal left arm. So, so if you're uh, comparing him to Darth Vader, you can also compare him to Darth Maul. True. Yes. So I kind of wonder, you know, like, I always wondered how they had the technology to be able to do the Vader thing. But when you start looking at all this stuff, they obviously were, you know, they used Darth Maul as a, a, a proxy, right, to try some of this stuff on. Uh, Echo is another proxy they tried some of this on, you know uh, what I mean? Technically, the first one they tried was Grievous. True, yes. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. all this stuff kind of builds up to, oh, okay, that's how they were able to get away with Darth Vader because all these other creatures and beings that they attempted to make them droid-esque or mechanical-esque. Right. And if you go back to the, the Legends, yeah, the reason why they did that for Vader is because they couldn't clone a Force user. Right. Right, because you could, you could clone the person but not the midi-chlorians right. within the person. Correct. Right. Yes. If we assume that Legacy is still true. <laughs> it kind of is now. I, I, I agree with you. I think actually the latest Star Wars movie... Brought it back, somehow. Part of it back in to the fold. Wait, have you read anything about that or not? No. About the graphic novel or not the graphic novel? But the oh, novel I heard novel. the book is supposed to say something about that. Isn't Palpatine now? It's a clone or something like it, that. Yeah, it's actually a clone of Palpatine that he jumped into. Correct. All the other ones that were in the different stasis pods and stuff, like the pieces of uh, Snoke. Right. They were failed ones. Okay. Ray's father. Is a failed clone of Palpatine. 
Right, so it's not actually Palpatine Palpatine. It's a clone of Palpatine. Right. Right. I, I, I think I read that somewhere on the internet, too. I mean, does that change your mind about the movie at all? Did it, did it like, alter your, your vision on it? Yeah, not really. Yeah, I, it didn't really affect it, me either. It, it solidified more... Oh, what I thought might be going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it solidified more of what I've been saying about Palpatine right along. Yeah. And that basically he was continuing on with exactly with what, what he intended to do, and that was to continue on with uh, Plagueis' idea. And I think, I think you know, I think he'd been preparing clones with the idea that he would die at some point, and, oh, yeah. and, and that, that was the way he did it. Well, that's how I, I think with Plagueis' cloning experiments and stuff, they, he realized that that's the only way he can carry on. Right. You know, it's not that he stopped life. Correct. Or kept himself from dying. It's a, he could throw his conscience into a different Correct. clone of himself. Correct, right. He could, he could throw his, yeah, his well-being into something else. I get it, yeah. Uh, Plagueis never understood that part, but he, he knew what he had to do, but he didn't know how to, how do, to it. do it. Right? right. And Palpatine figured it out. Yeah. And I like that. I was cool with it. I know there's a lot of fans out there like, ah, I hate this now, and I'm like, I... I, that wasn't the that is not the feather that killed Star Wars for me I just it wasn't the thing sorry there were other things that <laughs> killed Star Wars for me but that wasn't it my, my opinion is uh, Rise of Skywalker should have been uh, broken into three different films yeah and that should have been The Force Awakens The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker yeah because if we could have seen uh, that all happen to Palpatine I think that would have been more powerful actually than to put it in a book and, you know what I mean, like, right. to actually watch it physically happen throughout several movies would have been better. I agree with you. There was so much going on in that movie, they could have spread that movie out over three. And and, I, and Eric and I have been saying this, is we should not have to watch or read a comic book or read a book to understand, to understand what's, going what's going on in the movie. I agree. I hope they're listening to that, too, about Marvel, because it, my fear is with Marvel, they're going to start doing that, that, like... You have to watch this TV show and read that comic book and then watch this TV show here and read that book in order to understand Eternals or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, w I don't want that. I still want there to be that nice, you know, cohesion between the movies without me having to go search out and source out other materials. Yeah, but I don't think it's going it's to happen. No, what, in Marvel? No, I don't think it's going to go the way you want. Oh, I know. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm saying I hope. Because <laughs> I, I think Star Wars is going to still... Like, with The Mandalorian coming out now and all yeah. that? You're going to have to watch it all to figure out what may happen 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, In, in, yeah. in, in the next movie or... Yep. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be confusing and confusing as it goes along. Right. Yep, I get it. Okay, so those were our thoughts on the Black Widow trailer, the latest one, and the latest episode to us, Season 7, Episode 2 of... Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. We'll be back after the break to talk about the next episode to us of The Mandalorian, and that is going to be Season 1, Episode 5, titled Gunslinger. So we'll be back in just a moment. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. Hey, bro dogger. What's that you're eating? Oh, you mean this colorless amino acid-rich grain with a light, slightly crunchy texture? It's quinoa! Quinoa! That's right, quinoa. The colorless amino acid-rich grain that's sweeping college campuses and other young places everywhere. 
I thought quinoa was just for adults and hippies. I got a lot of questions. Shoot! Is a fiber in quinoa soluble or insoluble? Quinoa has both soluble dietary fiber and insoluble dietary fiber. Is it gluten-free? 100%. But is it cool? Gee, I don't know. Is helping to prevent migraines and providing significant cardiovascular benefits for postmenopausal women cool? Totally! So can I have some? Sorry, just finished the box. Just kidding, the box is in the pantry. Quinoa, it's a colorless amino acid rich grain with a light, slightly crunchy texture. Buy it in the boxes it's sold in. Howdy partner, it's 4.30 in the morning here at Farewell Ranch and it's time to get up and work the old cows. Get up, y'all! At Farewell Ranch, old people don't sit around stagnating, watching game shows, and talking about the good old days, sinking into the grave in a urine-soaked mess. At Farewell Ranch, they sweat and toil until the breaking point and keep that miserable contemplation of mortality at bay. Hell, it's steering time. We'll work Grandpa so hard he'll wish he was dead. At the end of the day, he'll sit down in the bluegrass, eat a bowl of commemorative beans, and enjoy sing-alongs at one of our nightly funerals. It's the Cowboys Code. Work hard, don't shower, and die in your boots. Right, Norm? Ah, my prostate. Farewell, Ranch. The only way to ride into the sunset. The galaxy explodes. The Rebels return. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. How's business? Not bad for a bounty hunter. Chewbacca, Princess Leia, new AT-8 and AT-ST driver action figures each sold separately. Arr! Take me to Endor, AT-ST driver. I've no orders. Arr! You do now. Princess Leia! One move and I'll set off this thermal detonator. Let's go! Chewbacca, Princess Leia Organa, new AT-8 and AT-ST driver each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we review Season 1, Episode 5 of The Mandalorian, titled The Gunslinger. I gotta be honest here, this episode was actually really kind of cool. I always kind of liked this episode, even when I watched it the first time, and I think it's my third or fourth time watching it, and I still like it. Like, every time I've watched this episode, I've, there's new things I find to like about the episode that I've always kind of thought was kind of cool. 
long story short, we start at the beginning with a space battle, which we have very rarely seen in this show, which was kind of cool to see a space battle in a Star Wars show. And I think that's hard to pull off because, you know, you're talking about all the technicality of, of having a ship and flying through space and blaster bolts and all that stuff. But I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, I still think, Gary disagrees with me, that the guy at the beginning who's flying the other ship looks like Mark Hamill. I'm sorry, it just, he does. Uh, you know, if you put a face mask on Mark Hamill and, and had him fly a ship, that's what I think he'd look like. So he gets his rear end walloped and handed to him. Uh, and Gary, you put it out, he made the infamous... Top Gun move. Top Gun move. He Hit the air brakes. Hit the air brakes, let the ship fly right by, which you know, he does, and, and then he hits him with it. I just thought it was interesting that that they used that little homage, you know, in space, which was kind of weird, but okay. The, the, the Maverick move. Yeah, the Maverick move. But but I, I was kind of hoping you would do some diplomatic uh, relations. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn the ship upside down. You know, give him the bird. Yeah, the, the finger. <laughs> I hate it when it does that. <laughs> and an inverted dive. Right. And a zero g. Wait, yep. that means gravity has to be out there. So well, Star Wars has gravity because we have bombs, so it works. I just told you, the only thing I thought that whole scene and I wish would have happened, which would have made it funnier, I still think it would have made it funnier, is if every time he moved the ship upside down, if if the asset had fallen and hit his head on the ceiling, and then when he came back around, the asset falls back to the floor and kind of goes, you know, or like, something like that. You know, I think it would have been funny. I think people would have been okay with that. No, they wouldn't. I think they would have. I mean, if they were okay with the scout trooper hitting him. They're not. Which I we'll am. talk about way later. Some of us already know what that is, but I'm okay with it. But yeah, I get it. I just thought it would have been funny. So they, they land on, ironically, Tatooine. of all places, Tatooine. Most, more importantly, Mos Eisley, which I'm like, you know, the it seems like everybody goes to Mos Eisley. The most wretched hive of scum and villainy. And doesn't it seem like it's supposedly the farthest from the center of the universe, yet everybody goes there? How does that happen? If it's farthest from the center of the universe... Everybody goes there. Because obviously Mos Espa got wiped out. <laughs> well, yeah, nobody likes to go to Mos Espa. They go rather go to Mos Eisley. No, because uh, maybe a sandstorm came in. Maybe. Who knows? Or, or a crate dragon took it out. <laughs> yeah. Or there's still the A-Wing pilot with his Bomar monk underneath, you know, and everybody stays away from that. So that's a possibility. Hey, maybe that's what happened to the, the A-Wing pilot. <laughs> there you go. She, she became a Bomar monk. Yeah. Never thought of that. <laughs> so... So he lands, and he lands in this, this I guess it's a repair bay. I, I, you know, he gets clearance to go there. Clearance, clearance. And, yeah. And he he meets these pit droids, which, of course, he's not a droid fan to begin with. I actually thought having the pit droids there was kind of funny. Like, the minute I saw the pit droids, I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. I, I have expected him to shoot one. I really did. They, they are probably my favorite droid. Yeah, there's something about a pit droid that just seems fun. And I can't explain, like, why, but they just seem like a fun thing to play around with. If if I were to have the option of having a pit droid, or any droid in Star Wars, I think I'd actually choose to have a pit droid. Um, Well, I should say that they're they're my favorite cannon. Cannon droid? Droid, yeah. Okay. What's your favorite uncannon droid, then? Um, HK-47 would be one, and Guri would be the other. Oh, okay. All right. So... He lands, the pit droids don't touch a ship because he doesn't want them to. He talks to the lady there and tells her he's got 500 uh, Imperial credits, and he would come back with more. He was going to go get a bounty and take care of that. Meanwhile, he puts the asset in a, I guess, like an internal, looks like a bedroom, I guess. No, he's asleep, so why not? Yeah, and he kind of locks him in there and figures, well, we'll just leave him there. He takes off, 
to go to the local cantina. Well, I I think there's a proximity alarm on him because every time he gets so far away, it wakes the thing up. Yeah, there seems to be that case, right? Like, there seems to be some sort of, I don't know. So he, he takes off, he goes to the local cantina, and meanwhile, the asset ends up coming out of the ship. And scaring the petroids. Yeah, scaring the petroids, and then the lady's got to try to figure out what to do with this thing. Of course, this is where I really think all the females in the world went, Aw, he's so cute. Like, my daughter, my youngest daughter, went crazy at this whole scene because he just looked too dang cute. And he's cooing and cawing and make all these noises. They're like, oh, my gosh, this was so for every woman ever. Yeah, and she likes porgs and Right, and... right. So this all makes sense, right? Yep. So, <laughs> so he goes to the local cantina where I still point out to Gary, I'm still confused by this cantina. You have a frog? And an insect in the same cantina, and the frog is not trying to eat the insect? I don't understand that. But That just, should not be happening. But just think, if he brought the ass up, and he saw that frog. Oh my gosh, that would have been awesome. He'd have been wanting to eat him. He goes, I, I, I can eat forever. Right. He'd be showing up with a fork and a knife, like, <laughs> <laughs> That's when you use the force. You know, like, <laughs> no, you use the fork. Yeah, use the fork. Uh, somebody needs to make a meme out of that. That would be hysterical. <laughs> so... So he asked the bartender, which is the, the droid that's actually torturing other droids from Return of the Jedi, which EV I thought was terrible. Yeah, EV-90. Is it 99 or 09? EV-99. EV is it 99? Okay. So he asked the droid, and the droid's like, there's nobody here. And then ironically, almost like Han Solo-esque, there's a guy in the corner. It's like, hey, I got a bounty guild yeah. you know, kill ready to go. Han Solo wannabe. Kind of, right? Like, I kind of got that impression of the guy. Like, he was... Like a Han Solo-esque wannabe type character, and we were going to get screwed over with him. So he offers a job to the Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian's like, eh. you know, I had to be kind of convinced to do the job. Uh, he ends up taking the job because he needs the money. He really doesn't have any other options. Um, he tells the guy that they'll meet later on just outside of the uh, the docking bay he's at with some bikes, and they'll, they'll get going. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian goes back to check on the asset, and at this point, the lady yells at the Mando for not taking care of his kid. I thought that was kind of funny. She yelled at him, and you notice he didn't get mad about it. He didn't get upset. He kind of agreed with her. Like, yeah, you're right. I don't know what the heck I'm doing with this thing. Uh, uh, well, most most first-time dads are that way. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. First time around, I was asking everybody for help. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. He tells her he's going to go and earn some money and he'll be back and she agrees to take care of the asset and fix the ship up even though the ship has seen some better days he goes out he gets on this bike which by the way it's important to note that when he gets on the bike that the the other hunter there sees the asset just before they go and i think a lot of people missed that the first time around you know i like I, I, you know, I, I caught it but my wife missed it so she didn't understand the importance of that which would show up later on so they go out after this this bounty they're going after, which is I forget the name of the character. Hang on, Fenric Rao, I think. I think you're right, Fenric something. Fenic Shand. Shand. That's what it is. Fenic Shand. Fenic. Okay, Fenic Rao must be from the EU. I think I think you might be right. <laughs> but they they keep recycling names. Like I agree. Yeah, I agree with that's you. That's why I was messed up. So Fenic Shand is the, is the person they're after, and so they go out. And they're going for, you know, quite a ways. At least that's the way they make it seem in the in the, the show. And all of a sudden, the Mandalorian, you know, gives them the hand signal to stop. And they stop. And he says, you know, hey, grab your binoculars and look over there. And they see a bunch of Tusken Raiders with their Banthas. 
And I thought it was interesting that, you know, here's the Mandalorian who could have just blown through that area, right? And hope they don't have to deal with these creatures, but instead decides to stop and negotiate with them. Uh, and he uses hand signals to negotiate. I thought that was a kind of a cool well, what, 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 scene, right? What, what I liked first, what you skipped over was um, the guy saying that they're just Tuscans or... Right, they're... They, they think everybody's... Um, they think that the everybody the locals are they're the locals and all that. Right. And then he corrects them to them. They are the locals. Everybody else is the alien. Right. Right. Because they were there first. Yeah. <clears throat> right. And so he tries. He negotiates. And, and, and the fact that they came up on him without no one knows. Yeah, right. Them. Yeah. I know. Right. Well, they're looking at. I think you know. It's a typical Tuscan thing. It seems to be that if you look at their banthas, there's another group waiting for you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and and I've, I've kind of caught on to that now, and that's why A New Hope seems... Like, I get that scene now in A New Hope, which I didn't the first couple of times around I saw it. So, they sneak up on him. The Mandalorian negotiates their right to, to go through their territory on their bikes. And I thought it was interesting because the negotiation ended with him giving the binoculars that the bounty hunter owned they over to the Tuscans. They were new. <laughs> yeah, they were. And <laughs> he gets on his bike and takes off. And, the, you know, the bounty hunter doesn't ever question about any of this. Well, he must be right and they take off. They get farther along and then they notice uh, what's the creature that's dragging the guy? It's a... A Dubek. Thank you, a Dubek from A New Hope. And... No, from Tatooine. Well, from Tatooine, but I'm saying we first saw them in A New Hope. <laughs> I see where you're going. Uh, so, so, long story short, the Dubek's dragging a character and of course I thought it was going to be our, our bent and the bounty hunter we're looking for, and it's not. It just happens to be a guy that got killed by the bounty hunter, and that's when we discover she's okay. up. She, she's a mercenary that's wanted. Right. And that was a bounty hunter that was going after oh, Sorry, her. thank you. All right, all right. So, anyway, long story short, it's not her, which I thought it would be. I, I thought it would be Fennec, and it's not Fennec. It actually ends up being just some other guy, but as they're looking at the guy, Fennec shoots the Mandalorian. Uh, in the chest. Now he's lucky because he's wearing his Beskar and he's pretty far away, but now they know where Fennec is hiding. So Mandalorian manages to get shot, what, twice more, I think, yep. before he dives over the Dune Hill. And <laughs> thought it was funny that the, the other bounty hunter's like, hey, oh, hey, you survived that. How'd you survive? Well, I've got, you know, Beskar on. <laughs> Show me the Beskar. Right. Yeah, and I don't have any Beskar. I don't have any Beskar. Yep. <laughs> like you, there were a lot of actually kind of little funny moments like that thrown into this episode. Kind of like, uh, so he tells him to take first watch, and that she's not going to go anywhere because she, you know, she's kind of pinned down. And he goes and lays down by the the bikes, and he and the other guy comes over and starts like fake shooting him and stuff, and he's like, "Are you done playing around?" And scares the crud out of him. And, of course, my son always said, you know, like, right there it is, Dad. Like, there's our mannequin thing we always like to do. Uh, and for those that don't know what I'm talking about, when we go to Comic-Cons and stuff, Falco Clan does this all the time. Uh, we'll stand there not moving for long periods of time. Kind of lull the kids into a false sense of, like, are they real, aren't they? The, the, the one thing that I'm a master of. Yeah, you've, you've been really good at this. And then just as the kid's about to come up and, like, either take a picture or... I mean, we've done it all sorts of different ways will move, you know, and just kind of like, you know, yes, I'm real, or something like that, and just kind of scare the crowd out of people. It's actually kind of fun to do, by the way. It's a cool game to play, especially when you got a helmet on and people really have no idea if you're under that helmet or not. And, it, you know, that's basically what the Mandalorian did there, which I thought was funny. So then they decide to basically bum-rush Fennec. You know, how fast can she shoot? 
and he decides to use some flares in the sky to kind of throw off her, her vision because he knows she's using a heat sink uh, to try to track them. And it works, by the way. They bum rush her. Uh, his bike gets hit, destroyed. The other guy manages to get up on the hill behind her while she's distracted by him. Uh, they have a little bit of a fight scene, but the Mando shows up last minute and manages to end the hand-to-hand fight. <laughs> Tells her to put on the binders, which I thought that was interesting. Well, he makes the, her put the binders on. First, uh, I like what the Mando says to him, to, to the guy there. Uh, nice distraction as uh, she's got him in an arm bar and breaking his arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good job, yeah. So she gets bound up and they go back down by the bikes and they suddenly realize that they can't get her back because, well, they only have one bike for two people plus the prisoner. So the Mando tells her to stay, or tells him to stay with her, the other bounty hunter. He's going to go back and get the do-back. And I plan, I think the plan was to put somebody on the do-back, right, and take everybody back together, yeah. I think was well, the plan. He, the Mando told the other guy to go get the do-back, but he wasn't going to do it because right. you, oh, you're going to steal my bounty and all that. Right. So he leaves him with Fennec and takes off to go get the do-back. And then Fennec gets in his head. Uh, and I had a feeling this was going to happen. She tries to convince him that the Mandalorian is worth more than her. Heck, his armor's worth more than her whole bounty on her head, which is probably kind of true. So she gets in his head. He finally decides to just shoot her. And leave her behind, and he takes off. Because she tells him that there was a Mandalorian that left the code and uh, took an asset with him and made it part of his stuff and basically tells him the whole story of the Mandalorian, which is all true, and he suddenly realizes that the asset that he saw earlier is exactly the asset that they're looking for. Yeah, because she did mention it was like, like some type of child or something. Right, right, like a child of some sort. So this guy, we find out later, races back to the docking bay. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian shows up, finds that Fennec is dead, at least that's what it appears, and takes off towards the docking bay. He gets there, he knows that the other bounty hunter is going to be there, and they have a long discussion. He asks him to put the Mandalorian, tells the Mandalorian to put his gun down, because now he's got both the asset and the lady who's fixing the ship kind of held hostage. He tells the lady who's fixing the ship to put the binders on the Mandalorian. And I thought this is where it got interesting because she goes behind him and sees the flashbang he's got in his hand and says, well, you're smarter than you appear. So she kind of gets that, you know, this guy, this guy, you know, the Mandalorian's serious. He knows what he's doing. And so he flashbangs the guy, uh, grabs his own pistol, and shoots that bounty hunter. And... Of course, there's the scramble for the asset. Where is he? Where is he? And, of course, he has that sh- cute moment that's on every meme everywhere where he kind of peeks out, you know, from behind the barrels. Here I am. Uh, he, he thanks the lady for fixing a ship, taking care of the asset. He pays her probably more money than she's ever seen. Uh, gets in a ship, and he takes off. And that's pretty much the end of the episode, except for this little s- stinger at the end. They, they go back out to Fennec, and a guy walks up. Uh, in boots and, and knee armor and a cape and kneels down and checks Fennec. And so there's a lot of questions about that scene and we could talk about that in just a minute. I, I do have two questions about the ending. First off, do you think the other bounty hunter that the Mandalorian was with, is that guy dead? Did he shoot him and kill him? Uh, <clears throat> the guy that had the asset? Yes. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of questions about maybe he didn't die. You know, maybe he was shot and wounded but not dead. I, I personally feel, I agree with you. I personally feel like he's dead. 
course, then there's the 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 end scene, the stinger. Uh, I think you're in the same mindset that I am. That I believe, because um, I am a forever Star Wars fan, and I, I really truly believe this. The guy that walked up and found Fennec at the end was Boba Fett. At least that's my belief. I'll tell you why. For two reasons. First off, the cape looks like Boba Fett's cape. Uh, and the second reason I say that is because it had the chinking. So again, if you pay attention to the sound effects and stuff like that, uh, as he walked up, it had the spur chink uh, that you have on Boba Fett every time he was in Empire Strike Back. And that's why I say that. Uh, and Return of the Jedi. He showed up in Return of the Jedi too. Plus, we're on Tatooine. So it could be when Boba Fett finally gets out of the Sarlacc pit, and maybe this is the first thing he does. Maybe. I mean, there's that implication that people have talked about, that that might be what's going on there. I don't know if, if you believe that's what it is, Gary, but... Well, I think it's Boba Fett, but I think he's been out of the Sarlacc for quite a while. I'm, I'm thinking that might be the case, too. My other theory is that maybe they were testing the other guy out, and Fennec was a decoy, as it were. Maybe she got Beskar on underneath her clothes, but I don't think Fennec's dead yet. I think she's going to pop back up in season two. Yeah, I think she's coming back. Uh, I think it was more of a... Like a test? A test on the Mando. Oh, on the Mando, okay. Yeah, about how serious maybe he is about his craft. Right, because he didn't didn't really shoot at her. Right. No, he didn't, didn't attack her at all. And right. I had utmost respect for her. Yep. Yeah, I agree with there. So maybe she's actually a Mando. She might be with the name Fennec too. I was kind of thinking the same thing, you know. I mean, Fennec is a, a kind of a weird, you know, in Star Wars universe. That's that's not a normal name, and it sounded very Mando esque to me, at least anyway. I agree with you there. I kind of felt like maybe she was too. Although I like her helmet that she wears when she was using the sniper rifle. Yep, pretty cool. I love that helmet. So overall, uh, it was an interesting episode. I still think of all the episodes personally that i've watched there's a couple that have like these cliffhangers this one seems to have the most interesting cliffhanger i think that has the most uh, impact on the next season but in a way that nobody's expecting you know what i mean everybody i think kind of forgot about this episode after the ending of the whole season and i think this episode's going to have some big spoilers later on that i think a lot of people aren't paying attention to or aren't looking for and they're going to show up in the second season and they're going to be like oh i forgot about that you know where they were after fennec and all that so I think that might might appear to be the case. So should we uh, rate this one? So zeros are don't bother. Tens a must see. Uh, who wants to go first? You want me to go first on this yeah, one? Yeah, you can go first. All right. So I would put this one in a nine. Okay. It wasn't like the perfect episode ever, but I will say that I think it was probably one of the better episodes I've seen in the Mandalorian for several reasons. Great humor and good spots. Um, great examples of communication with things like the Tusken Raiders. Uh, having Fennec in there, having that guessing game at the end of who that character might be, whether it's Boba Fett or somebody else that comes back for Fennec at the end. Uh, I like the 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 idea of the whole episode, just the gunslinger part of it. Um, and I also like the fact that we could have an episode where, yes, the asset was there, but it wasn't the it wasn't the be all and end all of the entire episode. Not everything was surrounded by the asset. It actually was the Mandalorian, and the asset was just kind of along for the ride. So that's why I give this one a nine. What do you think, Gary? I'm giving it a seven. Okay. There's just some things that I felt didn't need to be in it. Okay. Battle scene at the beginning could have been a little longer. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yep. Maybe have him actually have a dogfight for a change. Right. Um, but it's his ship is not, in my opinion, built for fighters. Oh, no. It's a transport ship. There's 
you know, it's a brick. Right, it's a brick with transport abilities and some weaponry to get by. Yeah. So. Okay. Anything else that they kind of drive that one down, or is that just the two main reasons right there? Well, it's the whole cutesy baby Yoda or uh, green green Gizmo and the girl with all <laughs> uh-huh. that. So. A little too much cutesiness there. Either. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, so those are our thoughts on this episode of The Mandalorian. We'd love to hear from you. So head over to our website, galaxycast.com, or email us, galaxycast.gmail. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're all over the place. Uh, we are also on Spotify now and on iHeartRadio, and we are also on Apple iPlay. So please you know, find all of us all over the place. And let us know what you think about this episode of Star Wars. Were you into The Gunslinger or weren't you? Uh, write to us. Let us know. And as we always like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may the force be with those who listen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You've failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.